Greetings. Welcome to my gingerbread. Oh, it's you again. Come inside. Can I interest you in a jar of jam? I might have gone a little overboard making jam yesterday, so I'm offering a jar to everyone that stops by. It has a little bit of everything in it. Apples, blackberries, pears. Do excuse the mess. I've been making a sponge cake to put the jam in, and I accidentally made too much batter. So one cake has sort of become... three cakes. But that's alright. Too many cakes is the exact opposite of an issue. There are people in this world who would do anything to be able to say that they had too many cakes. You know, I'm reminded of a story. It's set in a faraway empire. The people there were starving, and yet their emperor used their tax money to buy himself expensive clothes. He got his comeuppance, I'm pleased to say. Would you like to hear it? Sit down, I'll go get you a jar of jam, and then we'll begin our story. Once upon a time, there were two men. These men were best friends, which was just as well, because they spent a lot of time together. They worked together, they gossiped with each other, they plotted ways to overthrow the monarchy together. You know, typical best friend things. They worked as tailors. And then, after a few successful heists, they worked as con artists. Their targets were always the rich and the powerful, the sort of people who could do with being taken down a peg or two. And their most famous heist of all was against an emperor. The emperor, in question, was vain, and he adored new clothes. He only ever wore an outfit once. He was known to get through eight of them in a day. Clothes were bought or commissioned brand new and thrown out after one use. What makes this wastefulness worse was that his people were hungry. They were lucky if they could afford to buy one new article of clothing in a year. Eight entire outfits in a day was unimaginable. He was the perfect target. They travelled to the city where the emperor lived and made sure that everyone knew that they were tailors for the elite. They made clothes for the rich and the famous using the most exquisite fabrics. It wasn't long before word reached the emperor. He sent for the two men and requested a garment from their exquisite fabrics. The tailors wove an elaborate lie. They claimed to have a magic fabric, which was invisible to anybody who was stupid or incompetent or unfit for their profession. The emperor was very excited by this prospect. He thought that this would be a wonderful way to discover which of his advisers were unfit for their jobs. The tailors requested a large room where they could work with minimal distractions. They also requested several very luxurious, rare kinds of thread, edging and decoration for the garment. These requests were all granted. And so the two con men were set up in the ballroom with their two weaving looms and they bundled the expensive materials being brought to them into enormous locked chests. And they gossiped, 
and plotted ways to overthrow the monarchy together, as friends do. After a while, the emperor began to wonder how they were doing, so he sent down one of his advisers. The minister had worked for the emperor for years, and for his father before him, but he had not really had to fight for the position, and the emperor wondered if he was truly qualified for it. Not only that, but he was old. Many men, younger than him, had already retired. The minister went down to the ballroom to inspect the tailor's work, and, of course, found the looms empty, because there was nothing there to see. The conman encouraged him to come and admire the fabric, the bright colours, the bold patterns, and he stepped forward to coo over them admiringly. But obviously, he could not see a thing. "'May we have some more silk and more gold thread?' one of the tailors asked. "'As you can see, we need a lot of gold thread for the embroidery along the hemline just here.' And the minister didn't want to look stupid, or incompetent, or unfit for his job, so he agreed to have those things sent down at once, and returned to the emperor to tell him how well the project was going. The emperor was still curious, and still wondering which of his officials were ill-suited their positions. The next official to be sent down was much younger than the minister, but there were rumours surrounding his appointment that his parents had bought his way into the government. The emperor did not mind these rumours, if the man was good at his job. So this young official went down to the ballroom on the emperor's orders to check in on the progress being made on his new garment. The tailors welcomed him as they'd done with the minister, and showed off the delicate embroidery, the beautiful tassels, all of which was, of course, not real. And the official didn't want them to think he was stupid, or incompetent, or unfit for his job, so he complimented their fine work, and went back to tell the emperor the good news. And again, before he left, the tailors asked for more silks, and more gold and silver thread, and again their request was granted. By this time, a few days had passed, and news began to spread throughout the kingdom of the emperor's new clothes. The emperor himself was growing so incurably curious that he decided to take a group of his closest advisers down to the ballroom and inspect the progress himself. So down he went, where he was horrified to discover that he could not see a thing. But he could not reveal that in front of his advisers and in front of the tailors. So he allowed them to measure him and to show him their work, complimenting it all the while. The advisers agreed with his every word, and one of them suggested he wore the new garment to the procession he was to lead through the city in a few days' time. Everyone thought this was a wonderful idea, including the tailors, who pretended to be modest and shy and embarrassed about their work being seen by such a large crowd, but actually they thought it was hilarious. The night before the procession, the tailors stayed up the entire while burning candles and stomping around, snapping their scissors loudly, trying to give the impression that they were working very hard. The emperor went down to the ballroom the next morning, where the tailors pointed out to him the trousers, the shirt, the coat, all imaginary. The fabric is so light, they explained, like the silk from a spider's web. It's this that makes it expensive. You'll feel as though you're wearing nothing at all. They helped the emperor change out of his expensive pyjamas and into his new clothes, complimenting the way the fabric flattered his figure, 
brought out his eyes the whole while. A servant came down to tell them that the carriage was ready, and the emperor went down, accompanied by his advisers. A group of courtiers came forward to carry the train of his cloak, stooping low to lift the feather-like fabric off of the ground, the fabric that was not there. The carriage was open, and the emperor stood proudly, waving to the crowds of people gathered at the roadside to see him, showing off his new garment to all the world. And the public, who had heard all about the magical fabric by this point, talked amongst themselves about how beautiful it was, how fine the embroidery, because they didn't want anyone to think they were stupid, or incompetent, or unfit for their jobs. But Daddy, said a little boy, sitting up on his father's shoulders so that he could see the procession amongst the throng of people, he hasn't got anything on. The boy's father laughed nervously. <laughs> Children, he said, dismissing the notion. But then he looked at the emperor, and he wondered if, maybe, his son was right. He hasn't got anything on, the man said loudly, nudging the woman stood beside him. He hasn't got anything on. The realisation rippled through the crowd, and soon everyone was saying it, pointing at the emperor and laughing. The emperor shivered as a breeze brushed against his bare skin, and suspected that perhaps they were right, but he kept his head held high and continued to ride through the streets, his courtiers behind him holding his imaginary train up off of the floor. And the tailors took their trunks full of fine fabric, of silks and of golden thread, and they left the city before their ruse could be discovered. They used their new resources to make fine clothing, actual clothing, which they then sold on at an incredibly low price, making it affordable for people who could barely even afford new clothes at all, let alone anything so fancy. They're still working today. They have a little shop. You should check it out if you're ever nearby. It is... It is a nice shop. They are ever so sweet. Maybe you should find you a friend who plotted overthrow the monarchy with you too. Thank you for listening to The Gingerbread House. This week's episode was inspired by The Emperor's New Clothes, a story originally told by Hans Christian Andersen. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider sharing our podcast with a friend or dropping us a review on your podcast streaming service of choice. It really would mean a lot to us. The Gingerbread House is written and produced by Daisy Plant, who also provides the voice for Melita, the witch. You can also find us on Twitter at gingerbreadpod, all one word, and now on Instagram at thegingerbreadpod, again, all one word. Thank you so, so much for listening. Tune in next time when we'll be visiting another house, in another wood.